morning if you're visiting. He is in Af- Af- Africa. Uh, I don't know what he's doing at this time. I don't even know what time it is over there, but we're going to pray for him in just a minute anyway. And Stephen Walgermart, our worship pastor, is also out. Uh, he is in New York City, and he is about to, uh, he's, he's up this morning. I've already been texting with him. He told me, you better do a good job. So uh, let's hope I don't let Stephen Wagamot down this morning. So if you would, let's pray together, and uh, let's dive into our text this morning. Father, we come before you grateful. Grateful for what we just heard, what we just sang, is that you're alive, and that you're, you're, you're on your throne, and that nothing, nothing takes you off your throne. God, we come before you grateful this morning. We do want to pray for our pastor who is in Africa. We pray that as him and the team that is there are um, out engaging the culture there, they're in one of the communities. Lord, I pray for opportunities to share the amazing love of, of, of you with, uh, with the people there in Sierra Leone. Uh, Father, I pray for Stephen this morning as he is up this morning preparing to lead worship at a church plant in New York City. Father, I'm grateful to be a part of a church that is, has a mindful of here in Leesburg, but also across the globe. And so I'm thankful for that, for that this morning. As we begin now, as we dive into your word this morning, I pray that uh, you are honored that uh, this morning we don't come with just, uh, just, a, just a mindset of checking something off that we went to church at First Baptist Church this morning, but we come with expectation, not because of anything that I've said or prepared, but because we're engaging your word, your mighty and powerful word that um, has the power to, to pierce us deep. So we come before you this morning in expectation of what you're going to do and what you're going to share with us as we look at your word. Be honored this morning. We love you, we praise you, and we look forward to what you're going to do among your people. In the mighty and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, today is June 1st. I'm not sure if you looked at your calendar and saw that it's June 1st. Um, Josh Gussler, our media director this morning, reminded me that it is the start of hurricane season. In my house, it is the start of birthday season. Uh, Three out of four of my kids will have a birthday in the next uh, 30 to 40 days. Uh, In 10 days, I'll I'll celebrate my uh, three-year-old's birthday. She'll turn four. Ten days later, we'll celebrate my one-year-old birthday, who will turn two. And then a short time after that, we'll we'll uh, celebrate my other son's birthday, uh, Louie, who will turn four as well. And so for us, it's a a big time. Um, Even though as a dad, I would love to see my kids uh, be daddy's little girl and daddy's little boy for the rest of their life, I'm happy to see some of these milestones take place. You know, uh, as every parent knows, if you're a parent, you've seen, you're happy when they overcome that feat of not having to have the bottle or special food. You can just give them what you're serving. Or when they, when they begin to move on their own, that was a big one in my house, is being able to move on their own because, uh, <laughs> boy, they would be miserable. They sit in there crying. They're like, come on. They're like, I can't do anything. So they're crying. They're upset. They're miserable. And then finally, but not last, I love the diaper season. When diapers go away and they can use the restroom on their own, that is one of my favorite times of growing up. And so, uh, because I don't have to spend money on diapers, and then I don't have to take them every time as well. So it, it's, it's just an amazing time in my life of, of seeing my kids grow up, but this morning as we look at J- Colossians chapter 3, I, I'd like to spend some time looking at our spiritual growth, of how we grow up spiritually. And, and I think what we'll see as we dive into this and look at this, it, it's not meant to be too complicated, uh, and, and it, it's not ever meant to be too complicated, um, but it's just the idea of practicing and following exactly what God has outlined in his scripture. So picking up in Colossians chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 1 through 4 first here. Look at what it says. It says this, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, 
And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The first thing you see here is that first word is since. It's something's happened since your life has been changed, since you have been altered, since Christ has invaded your life, something needs to change. Your heart now no longer rests here. It rests at the right hand of God with Christ. And since your heart is there, now you need to align your body. Since... This has happened in your life. You align your body with where your heart is. And see, here's the thing I want to point out real quick, is that when your heart is, remains here, guess what? Your actions are going to remain here as well. You're going to live your life the same way when your heart remains here. The idea of moving and transferring your heart to where it already is, and since you have been redeemed by Christ, since Christ has done something amazing in your life, you are now to, to transfer your heart and your actions, your whole being, to being at the right hand of God. Look at what he said. He says, you have died. The idea of you have died. You have, this, this old life has gone away. You see, uh, when I graduated high school, I entered into the United States Army. 13 Bravo, I shot artillery. I got to blow things up. It was really cool, really exciting. So that, that's what I got to do. And, and so I remember one, one, one weekend I got a pass, and I would, I would go home for the weekend, and I, and I go to the beach, just like many of you guys will do probably since summer's here, and we just celebrated Memorial Day, which is the non-official start of the summer, and go to the beach. And uh, back in the day when I was willing to take off my shirt in public, I would go out, and I, and I wouldn't sun, put sunscreen on. I, I wouldn't put sunscreen. Some of y'all think that's funny. That's not funny. <laughs> All right? Uh, but, you know, I, I wouldn't put sunscreen on. I'd be that guy who's like, I can take it and I can handle it. Well, one time, I'll never forget, I got burnt. I got, that's just water in the baptistry, no big deal. I got burnt, seriously burnt to the point of blisters on my shoulders. And, and I would go back afterwards and we'd, I'd roll in on, on Monday morning real early and I'm sore. And then they called a, uh, you know, a spontaneous field exercise where I would have to get on and get on my rucksack and get on all that fantastic stuff that you would have to wear in the field. And I remember just running and being out in the field and it rubbing and it being miserable. So I called the medic over and I said, hey, I, I got to do something about this. Is there anything you can do for me? You know, I, I'm in pain. And I'll never forget what he said. I wrote it down here. So I, he said, I can get you out of this, but you could possibly be reprimanded for damaging military property. Oh, what are you, military property? You see, what I was not aware of is when you sign on that dotted line, you become a, a part, a piece, you become property of the U.S. military. And this is truth, this is truth. I could have got an Article 15. If you're military savvy, well, that means there's big trouble. Rank, all sorts of big trouble. For damaging military property. Because I was no longer my own. I had signed away my life literally for four years. You know what Christ is saying here? What Paul is saying here is, hey, look, since Christ has come into your life and invaded your life, you have signed your life away. You have died to yourself. You are no longer your own. So that body you're in, that thing that you're, you're walking around in, that's not yours. That is Christ. You've given it up to him. You've surrendered that to him. So my question, my first question for us this morning, and I ask a lot of questions, is this, is are we damaging God's body? Because it's not ours. How are we being, what kind of steward are we being of this body that God has given us? What kind of steward are we being uh, of the actions that, that come out of this body? You see, he says, since this has happened in your life, since you have been transferred, since your heart has been transferred, your body should align with that. You're no longer your own. One pastor once told me it this way. He said, you know what the problem in our churches is, is a lot of times we have a whole bunch of grown-ups that are just spiritually infants. We're spiritual infants. 
And I was like, ouch, that hurt. Because I knew he was talking about me too. The idea of we, we need to grow up. A Christ follower is not really following if they're seated in one spot staying still. That's not following, that's stationary. A Christ follower is moving forward, taking steps to move forward and follow Christ where he leads. Our focus must be on what Paul said, is setting our minds on things above, not on earthly things. What it really boils down to is, is the idea of, of, um, of putting yourself behind Christ, putting Christ first. You watch a video of, of, of Connect UK, and I, I've had the privilege now of uh, three or four times going over and partnering with that ministry and seeing what God is doing. Well, on our recent trip back, we were on the flight, and the flight's like eight hours long, so it's, I get... I get anxious, and I need to talk to somebody. I like to talk to people. And so the flight attendant came over, and uh, uh, we were talking, and I was inquiring about the seats uh, up front. And really cool, just side note here, is I'm getting to take my six-year-old on my next mission trip with me, and I'm so excited about that. We applied for a passport. She was really excited. But I was talking to him because there's there really nice seats in the front of the plane. They cost a lot of money. And there's really nice seats in the front of the plane, ones you can lay down in. And I was talking to him about that, and he asked me why. And I said, well, I'm thinking about bringing some of my kids and things like that. And he said, he said you have kids. How many do you have? And I said, four. He goes, whoa. He said, he said how can you do that? I mean, how can you sacrifice yourself for them? And I, I sacrificed, what? What are you talking about? So we began to talk about this, and he goes, you know, I, I love kids. I think they're great, but this is his words. They're just not my bag. They're just not my thing. And what it boiled down to is we began to talk more and more and more. What I realized about this individual was this, is that he said, you know, I'm just not, I'm never willing to put anyone above myself. He said, I, I need to make sure I'm taken care of first. And I think that's the mindset we get in life is, you know, great, I've surrendered my life to Christ, but I need to make sure I'm taken care of first. No, God will take care of you. God will, will, will supply your every need. We must be willing to put Christ before ourselves. Because, see, since this has happened in your life, because of what has happened in your life, Things need to change. It's not just a one-time affair. It's a thing that happens here, but then it's a lifelong journey that you're on as Christ is invading your life and putting to death the things that are earthly. In light of that, let's continue to look at verses 5 and following. As he says, what we're to put to death. This is what he says. Put to death, therefore. Therefore, since this has happened in your life, therefore, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things. These things such as anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. But do not lie to one, do not lie to one another, since you have taken off your old self, and its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. As you read through that list, you begin to get wrestle, and, and, and if you're like me, sometimes I look at scripture, and I'm like, well, and then you begin to justify. You're like, well, I'm not really hurting anybody. You know, my filthy language is not really hurting anybody. Nobody really sees that filthy language, right? You see, it's, it's, it comes down to preference, and, and, and preferences is something like, you know, Pastor Art has a preference on something, and I have a preference on something. A preference of music, a preference of this. You know, for my, for example, uh, I, yesterday at my house, we had a snake that was above our, our front door. And, and, uh, and, and my opinion, and, and see if anybody else is with me, the only good snake is a dead snake. Anybody with me? 
All right, yeah, all right, all right. But you know, those who didn't raise their hand, they're going, well, no, not true, Jay. The circle of life. We've got to have some snakes. They take care of those mice and rodents and things like that. That's a preference. My preference is dead snake. Your preference is let it live. <laughs> to each their own, right? Whatever. I'm going to take care of it my way. You take care of it your way. But Christ here says, look, it's not about a preference. It's about my preference. It's about the way you live your life. It's about the way you, you do exactly what I say to do, how I say to do it. I want to set you up for success. And many of you, if you're like me, again, you go, I'm just not strong enough. I can't do this. I'm just not able to do this. I can't do this. And I'm reminded as I was, I was studying a lot of Paul's writings as I was preparing for this. And in Philippians, he's, he's struggling. He's having a hard time. Things are not going the way he goes. And he goes, you know what? And this is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, it's not my own. It's Christ who does this work in me. And I want you to understand that about your spiritual growth. You can't do it on your own. You can't grow in this way that you're supposed to, on your own. You must have the power of Christ working within you. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. is so that we can grow and that it spurs us and it, and it encourages us and it tugs at our heart for spiritual growth. Our job is simply surrender. Our job is to wave the white flag and say, hey, I give up, you have your way, you do what you want, because it's what's best for us. Do you feel that way about Christ? As we, as we venture on, I want to highlight a few things. One thing is this, is Paul tells us a couple things about our sin nature and our old nature and, and the importance of why it is important that we put it to death. Look at what it says there in verse 6. It says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. That is not to be overlooked. It's because of these things that Paul is outlining, because of the earthly nature, because of sin, that the wrath of God is coming. Our God is a very, I was talking to an individual that pulled in my driveway last night. He, he pulled in my driveway. I don't know him, uh, but we talked, and, and, and I could tell something was going on. We began to talk about who Christ was, and I, and, and I began to share him. You know, God is a very loving God, but he's also a very just God. And sin is something that he sent his son to die for. And this is not, and because of that, those who do not turn to Christ, those who do not repent and turn, those who do not surrender their life, the wrath of God is coming. See, God hates sin. It destroys the human nature, and he knows this. God is, God, God is coming, and his wrath is coming along with it for those who don't know. You see, if I was to set a, if you were driving down the road and you begin to see these signs on the side of the road, road ends in 500 feet. Next sign, cliff ahead. Next sign, last exit. What would you do? <laughs> You'd get off the road, right? You'd get off the road. And what Paul's doing here, he's highlighting, he's going, look, these things are damaging. These things are horrible. These things are going to cause the wrath of God to come. Get off the road. Some of us need to get off the road we're on, take the quickest exit we can, and get on what God wants us to do. It may be the clear other direction. That is repentance, turning from one way and going another. C.S. Lewis, in his, in his book, Screwtape Letters, says it this way, which is actually a very scary thought. He says it this way. Indeed, the safest road to hell is a gradual one, a gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turns, without milestones, and without signposts. Make no mistake, our enemy is creative. He wants you to be comfortable. He wants you to sit right there on that road and steady, stay steady to your death. But God said, look, I'm going to give you my word. It's going to shine a light on those. It's going to be signs, flashing lights. Don't ignore them. 
The next thing you see here in verse 7 and 8, it says this, You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now rid yourself of all such things. You see, there's two words that jump out in there. It says, once, you, you once lived like this. You used to live like this. In other words, there needs to be a transition in your life, a change in your life because of what Christ is doing. It's not something you can, sure, you know what, you can fake it. We, we've, we've all seen those who have learned how to play the church game and learn how to do it. You can fake it for a little while, but when push comes to shove, you know what? It's not real. I hear the words of my mom echoing in my, in, in my head. It, you know, I, I, I raised you better than this. You know when she would say that, what that meant is, I taught you better than this. You shouldn't be doing this. Shame on you. What he's saying here is, look, Christ is better than this. Look, look, you used to walk in these ways. You, you know, it was something you once did, but now you need to rid yourself. Christ is better than this. He's better than this. God is telling us that he's worth more than this and that we need to put sin to death. We need to rid ourselves. And sometimes it comes with drastic measures. I, I was looking throughout the scriptures and, and I, was, I was thinking about how we're, we're, what kind of drastic measures we can take. And I, I was led to Matthew chapter 5 when Jesus was talking about sin. And look at what he says here in Matthew chapter 5. He says this, If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. If it, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your, right eye causes, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go to hell. These were drastic measures. Now, I'm not advising. I want to be very clear. Nobody go guide your, gouge your eyes out or cut your hands off this morning. Don't leave here and go do that and say, the preacher told me to do that. What I'm saying is sometimes it takes drastic measures. Sometimes it takes throwing the computer out. Sometimes it takes, you know what, look at me and call me out. I need somebody to call me out and tell me when I'm doing these things I don't need to be doing. It means turning off the cable, turning off the TV. It means taking drastic measures. You know, people gave me a hard time back when, when I was younger and well, I would burn all my CDs that were secular. People gave me a hard time. Well, you know, that was drastic measure. You know, I don't want this filth in my life. I don't want it in my life anymore. You need to throw out some of your movies. You need to throw out, you need to take drastic measures to rid yourself of these things that the wrath of God is coming. Sin is an infection and it will take over and it will begin to ruin your whole life. Before you know it, you'll blink, you'll wake up one morning, you'll go, I am so far off the path and I didn't even know it. Why? Because it's a gradual, it's gradual. It's time for us to wake up and maybe take drastic measures to rid ourselves of the sin. Look at what verses 9 and 7 says. Look, you've taken off your old self and your practices, and now you're putting on the new self. We get this image of taking off the old and putting on the new. You see, just like you would change your clothes if you were nasty and you were filthy and you were dirty, you would take your take your you would change your clothes and you would take a shower. Why? Because you're dirty. And Paul's saying, look, you know what? You're dirty. Your sin, that sin is dirty. It's nasty. Take it off and now put on something. And look at what he says to put on. He, he says, look, look in verses 11 through 16. This is where we're going. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all in all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts 
Since as members of one body you were, create, you were called to peace and be thankful. What, what he's saying is put on these things. You know, Paul is, is dealing a little bit with the, the heresy that was going on in the church. And he was, he was saying, you know, it's not about you have to be circumcised. You have to do it this way or you have to be of this person. No, it's all about Christ. Christ is all. He's the all you need. He is the answer to our problem. He is one answer to our problem. And there's a couple things, and there's a couple reasons why Paul outlines here, we need to put on this new body. Look at what it says here. It says, first of all, it says, as God's chosen people. You know you're, you're God's chosen people. He called you to himself. He chose you. He called your name and said, hey, you're now with me. He, he reached down out of the perfect holy heavens and reached into our dirty, nasty lives and reached in and saved us from ourselves. You are God's chosen people. And because you're God's chosen people, we should be putting on these new things. We should be taking on the nature of our creator. We should be moving our hearts closer to where they should be, which is seated at the right hand of God. The second thing is this. He says this. You've been set apart. You're holy and dearly loved. You are holy. You're to be holy. You're to strive for holiness. You're to strive for that different nature, to be like Christ, to be Christ-like. How many times I've heard, well, there's no difference in the church and outside the church. There's no difference. It's because on Sunday morning, we come in and we put on our best, Sunday best, and then we walk out the doors and we begin to live like, just like we did all before. Nothing's changed. Christ said, look, change let me change you. I don't want to leave you just as is. We are called to be holy, so therefore be holy. Not only that, but we create a community of people who are holy and different. When I read through those, I, you know, I, I begin to go, okay, compassion. And, and, and then the fruit of the Spirit begins to drop in. It's, you know, these are love, joy, peace, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that we should be our nature. It should ooze out of us into the world and out of the people that we come in contact with. But here's the reality. If we can't do that within the church walls, we're never going to do it without, outside the church walls. If we can't put on those things, if we can't be gentle, if we can't forgive, if we can't love here, how in the world are we going to love to the person who is unlovable, it seems, outside the world? Let me ask you, how, how is your spiritual walk? You know, when was the last time something was put to death in your life? When was the last time it was, it was put to death? Something changed in your life. When was the last time? If nothing's changing, that means you reached perfection? I hope not. I hope no one in here can claim I've reached perfection. Because we haven't reached perfection. And we never will. This journey we're on takes time. And it's continually putting things to death. Look at what Charles Spurgeon said. This quote I love. It says this. The holier a man becomes, the more he mourns over his unholiness. The holier you become, the closer you come to Christ, the more you realize how much you really don't measure up. So a word of caution to the one who's sitting there going, okay, I've done this for so long. You know, I, I don't need to really do anything else. I'm done. You know, I've learned everything I'm going to learn. Well, guess what? You have stopped growing. 
Because you're not even worried about your unholiness anymore. You're not even concerned about it. This morning, I want to give you a few ways that you can grow up. Because see, what it boils down to is really what spiritual growth is, is putting off the old and putting on the new. That's what spiritual growth is. That's how you grow in your walk with Christ, is you take off the old and you put on the new. And you allow God to do his work in your life. So here's a couple ways here at First Baptist in your personal life you can get grow, you can grow in your spiritual walk. First thing is this, approach God's word expecting him to change you. I'll say that, approach God's word expecting him to change you. Not just to check it off and say, hey, I did my quiet time this morning. I read God's word. It was great, super. No, go before God and say, God changed me. Look at what he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it dwell in you. Hebrews says it this way, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates, even dividing the soul and the spirits, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who we must give account. Come before God's word expecting him to change you. Again, I ask you, what was the last time and what was the last thing that God changed about you in your life? If you're not changing, does that mean you've, you've, you've reached perfection? How has God changed you? I mean, let me just briefly. God is always at work in my life. And, and sometimes I'm like, man, I'm getting beat up over here. But it's good. It's so good. One thing he's been challenging me on is my prayer life. And, and let me be honest, it's not that I don't pray. I pray. But he's just, he's, he, I want more time with you. I want you to spend more giving it to me and praying and spending time with me. And so I began to set alarms on my phone that would go off periodically through the day telling me, hey, pray. <laughs> pray. Pray for this. And sometimes I attach little things that I'm praying for. And those are great. And those are great. And then, you know, I'm, I'm before God and he goes, I just felt in my spirit. He said, why do you need a phone to remind you? Why can't this be second nature? Why can't you just long for it and you, ouch. Now, this is me. This ain't you. I'm, I'm picking on me. Why can't you just long for this? God's changing me. And he's got to continue to change me. Because I ain't, I ain't there yet. I don't know about you, but I ain't there yet. I heard one pastor say it this way. He said, it, it, <laughs> I heard it say this way. Don't get up. Don't close the Bible until God has powerfully spoke to you. And you can't help but act on what you just read. Man, that might mean some of us need to give more than five minutes or ten minutes or in the car. We might need to actually sit down with God's word, open it up and say, God, I beg, I plead you, change me. Do something. God's word causes us to action. If we approach him properly, we approach him with expectation to do something in our lives, guess what he's going to do? He's going to do it. He's going to want to change you. That's scary, and that's many times why we don't approach God's word that way. Because deep down inside, we don't really want to change. What it really is is a life of worship. Of saying, God, you, it's all about you, it's not about me. I approach you, asking you to change me, to align you with me, me with you, and to be different. Second thing you can do to spur your spiritual growth is this, is seek community with other believers. Seek community with other believers. Paul said, it, I yes, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. 
I go to Hebrews again. It says this. And let us consider how we must spur one another toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as the habit of some are doing. But let us encourage one another. All the more as the day is approaching. Seek community. Here at First Baptist, we have three hours of Bible fellowship. Nine, ten thirty. Well, maybe we only have two hours. We have three. We have three. Yeah, eight. Yeah, eight. I should know this, right? It's my job, right? Eight, nine thirty, and ten forty-five. We have we have Bible fellowship areas for you to get connected to community. This right here, guys. Listen, I love preaching. We need preaching. This right here, you're not talking to no one. You're sitting here looking at me. Community is with one another, where you can encourage one another. You can spur one another towards good deeds and to love. You need to get plugged into a community of people. We also have small groups that meet throughout the week. We have Sunday night small groups. We have Wednesday night SLU where you can come and be a part of a growth track. There's areas where you can get plugged into community. One of the, one of the most amazing things I've seen happen in, in the ministry that I get to work with is, is within our college ministry, our late night ministry that happens on Wednesday nights, is I, I've, I've tackled and I grab some guys and say, hey, I need you to one-on-one disciple some of these guys. And they came in and they, they're one-on-one tackling them. They're going out there, spending time with them. They're loving on them. And you know what? I want to encourage you. If you're somebody who's been in the church for a long time, I want to encourage you with this. Who in the world are you discipling? Who have you, what young guy have you wrapped your arm around and going, hey, come on, let me, let me show you where I've been and what I've done. Let me show you the mistakes I've made. When we baptize somebody, we should have lines of individuals going, hey, I'll take that one. I want that one. I'll take that one. Let me disciple them. Community. The last thing is this, is, is, is let your spiritual life be your life, capital L-I-F-E, be your life. Let it be what you do. Look at what it says and how he ends in verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus. Thanks be to God the Father through him. In everything you do, I had Bill Jones, our executive pastor, speak to our college students this week, and I love how he put it. I'm going to give him credit for it. This is what he said. He looked at him at the end of our service. He said, you are all self-supported missionaries. In other words, in everything you do, make it about him. You don't have to have the word pastor behind your name or in front of your name to do something for God. In everything you do, whether it be outside working or whether you're driving, anything you're doing, let it be about Christ and him alone. I'll leave you with this quote by Charles Spurgeon. It says this, Revival begins when Christians get it right first and then it spills out to the world. Revival begins when Christians get it right first and then it spills out into the world. Where are you at in your spiritual growth? Where, where are you at on your journey? You see, we're, we're going we're gonna, to, in a moment, we're going to pause and we're going to go into a time of response. And many of you guys are going to pack up and you're gonna, your mind's going to transition quickly. You're going to go, okay, now I need to get down here and I need to get to this place. I know what's going to happen. I, it happens every week. But I want to ask you, where are you at in your journey? When was the last time God put something to death in your life? When was the last time God changed you? Has it been too long? This morning as we respond, I want to encourage you this. First and foremost, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, today can be the day of your salvation. Let me tell you, it's a journey, but it's a journey worth living on. It's a journey worth going down. I'll never forget the day he changed my life and what he's done in my life and what he's continuing to do in my life. It wasn't just a one-time thing. 
He's doing it every day of my life. If you don't know Jesus Christ in a personal way, I encourage you to come. Come down this morning and, and let us know. We want to introduce you to the most amazing person in the world. Second of all, I want to encourage you in your spiritual growth. Maybe, maybe you don't know anything about Bible fellowship, what I'm talking about, SLU groups. There's a, there's a card in the back of your pew, and usually we ask you to fill that out and drop it in the offering plate. Fill it out and give it to me. Say, hey, I just want more information about a Bible fellowship, about a class, about some way I can grow. I want to be one-on-one disciples. So partner me up with somebody in our church who can help me grow. And lastly, maybe you want to be a part of this uh, amazing community we call First Baptist Church. Maybe you, maybe you don't have a church home and, and you'd like to be a part and you'd like to be a member here. In just a moment, we're going to pray and then, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. For some of you, you may need to turn around and make an altar out of your pew and you say, ask God for forgiveness because you know what? You stopped growing. But let's not rush this and go, oh, I got to get over here. Let's take a spot, moment and say, God, did you speak to me at all? Or am I growing? Do I need to be connected? Let's take a moment and pray and respond. Father, thank you for today. Thank you, God, for loving us. Loving us enough to, to not leave us as is. <laughs> but God, you want to you you help us to grow. You want us to be somebody different tomorrow than we are today. I love that about you. I love that you care so much about me that you're, you're, not, you're not willing to just leave me alone. God, I pray that our church would be about spiritual growth. We wouldn't be content with where we're at, but we'd be ready, stand ready to move forward in our growth. Help us now as we respond to you, our holy, righteous God. In Jesus' name, amen.